So today we are starting a new two-part series called Committed. Say committed for me. Uh, if you've been at Crosspoint for any amount of time, you might have heard me say that commitment is sometimes like a four-letter word. It should be a positive word, but sadly some people treat the word committed or commitment like it's dirty or like it's bad. Uh, Webster's Dictionary says that the word commit actually means to obligate or to pledge oneself to something. Uh, like a person who's committed has made a, a personal pledge to be, a faithful, uh, to be faithful to a person, to be faithful to an organization or to an idea. And so if someone's committed, you can really count on them, right? And yet committed is definitely lacking in our society today. Married couples forsake their marriage commitment. Uh, young people choose living together instead of get, getting married because they don't want the responsibility or commitment that marriage requires. A great customer service is almost unheard of this, these days. Don't even get me started uh, on dumpsters that didn't show up four times uh, from a local company that I won't say the name, but uh, you might guess. But uh, 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 cu good customer service is almost unheard of because CEOs have deemed that making money and staying cost-effective is more important than being committed to a customer. And then you have all of these people who call themselves Christian, and yet they never commit themselves to be faithful to the church. They never uh, commit to being faithful to Bible reading or to spending time in prayer, and they, they have commitment issues. And as a result... They actually lack spiritual maturity. Now listen, as we go through the series, it's actually my prayer that you would be challenged and encouraged uh, to be more committed in every single area of your life. Listen, by doing so, we get to honor God. We get to honor one another. And, and listen, our commitment is actually going to encourage others along the way. And so today I want to look at the life of Noah. I want to look at the life of Noah who was committed to obeying God. And I'm going to tell you in advance, this is not a shouting message. Uh, you are probably going to say ouch a few times. Actually, you won't say ouch. You'll just be very quiet. And uh, I get that. That's okay. Uh, but I want you to receive the word of the Lord. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 6 and, and 7. Uh, we're going to be giving you verses, but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 6. Again, we're talking about Noah this morning who was committed, say committed, committed, committed to obeying God. Now listen, obedience is, a, obedience is a funny thing, especially when you consider what exactly motivates people to obey. I don't know what your background is. I, I'm the youngest of 13 in my family. Uh, you know, uh, sadly, I grew up the, the child of alcoholic parents, and so that comes with its own baggage. Some of you can relate. You've shared that you can relate. And so growing up, um, as far as motivation, I obeyed my dad because I wanted to avoid the belt, the switch, or whatever he could get his hands on. I'm not saying that to get pity this morning. I, I'm just telling you that people are committed in different ways to, to, to be obedient, and they're motivated by fear sometimes. Lots of people obey laws because they're afraid that they'll be caught or thrown into jail or have to pay a big hefty fine. And so then there are those who choose to obey uh, someone in hopes of getting a reward for it, right? And so you obey to get a prize. Maybe you had a teacher way back when you were in school that said something like, Now, boys and girls, uh, if everyone gets their work finished early, we'll get to spend 10 extra minutes outside at recess. And so if those students got all of their work finished, 
Uh, was it because they were committed to do what was right? Or was it because they thought they were going to be rewarded for obeying? Motivation plays into this. Finally, there are some people who obey simply because they love or they, they care for the person that they're obeying. When I was little, I would do almost anything for my mom because I loved her so much. The reason I loved her is because it was very obvious that she went out of her way to love me and to let me know that I was loved. And, and so it was easy to obey her as someone who had my best interest in mind. And I want you to know that the Lord Jesus fits that very description. He's got your best interest in mind. But sometimes we have multiple motivations to obey, like those students that got all their work finished. Actually, if you break it down, they uh, were motivated to, to, to get an extra 10 minutes of recess, but they were also motivated maybe because they loved their teacher, but maybe they were also taught by their parents that it was actually good to finish their work in a timely way and, and not play around. And so they were maybe motivated by multiple things. And we know that Noah may have been motivated to obey for a combination of reasons as well. And see, the world was, a terrible, it was in a terrible state during the day of Noah. And we can read about it in, in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. We're going to read the word of the Lord. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything, say everything, everything. he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Verse 6, and so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It actually broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only, say only, this is important, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt, and so God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. That is a, a pretty menacing statement. It's kind of scary to know that the God of creation had reached that point in the book of Genesis. And we know that in the days of Noah, wickedness and sin were absolutely everywhere. In fact, God said that everything that mankind thought or even imagined was consistently and totally evil. Have you ever been around someone who had a, a, a dirty mind all the time? No matter what you say around them, they can turn it around and make something nasty out of it. In Noah's day, it was far worse. There was one man, the, the scriptures say, that found a favor in the eyes of the Lord. His name was Noah. Verse 9 says that Noah was a righteous man. The only, say only, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of spotlight on one person, but Noah deserved it. 
Could you imagine living in a world like Noah lived? Could you imagine being the only righteous person in the entire world? I'm sure that Noah was grieved at the sin and all of the evil that surrounded him every single day. But because Noah committed to obeying God, he was the salt and light of a generation corrupted by decay and darkness. Now listen, one of the words that God used there to describe the world in Noah's day was corrupt. Say corrupt. Corrupt. The, the Hebrew word corrupt actually refers to decay. And so like the, de the decay that takes place in a, in a dead body. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus actually told his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, the city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed where? On a lamp or on a stand where it gives a light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise the Heavenly Father. See, one of the uh, uses of salt back in the day, uh, before refrigeration, I'm sure there's no one here that, that maybe remembers this. Uh, if so, uh, you uh, may be a little bit old. Um, where salt was actually used as a preservative. We know that meat would be salted in such a way that the salt would actually draw out the moisture from the meat, helping it to keep uh, from spoiling at a very fast rate. And one of the responsibilities that you and I have as followers of Christ is to be like salt in this world of decay. How many of you know we are living in a world of, of decay? This is not the world that as God created it, because when he created it, he created it and it was perfect and it was good. And then sin came on the scene. And so we see all of the evil. We see all of the corruption. We see all of the junk that is in our world. And, and as Christians, again, we need to act like that salt to, to prevent that total decay. See, our presence in society may not stop all of the evil and wickedness, but it should definitely slow it down. Did you know that your, your workplace should be better because you work there? Wherever you go should be better because you go there. Why? Because you are the habitation of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus Christ, if you've invited Him into your life as your Lord and Savior, wherever you go should be better because you bring Jesus. Who knows that? Anybody know that? You bring Jesus. You see, when Christians pray and stand up for righteousness, a Satan is actually hindered. But sadly, many lukewarm believers are content to live like the world and they never actually truly make a commitment to obey God. I told you this wasn't a shouting message. I told you we would be quiet. But we know that Noah was committed to obeying God. And even though he was surrounded by evil, God allowed mankind to live for another hundred years simply because Noah was righteous. How many know that, that when God says something, it's serious and he, he follows through with it? And so God was talking about to wiping everything out. And because of Noah, because of his right being righteous, he spared them. He, he held it off for at least a hundred years. So when people ask why our nation is still enjoying the blessings of God, even though many in our society have rejected him, I like to believe that it's because you and I are still here. Amen. 
Uh, and I don't know what your belief is this morning, but there is coming a day when the church will be taken up. We will be caught up with Him in the, in the sky. And I, I, listen, I don't want to be here on that day. I don't want to be left behind on that day. Because some people will be. And it's going to be a, a day of, of just a tragedy for some. It's going to be a day of rejoicing for others. Uh, but the reality is you and I are here and we are keeping the full wrath of God at bay because again, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. There's a story about a 16-year-old boy that approached his father and said, Dad, I'm 16 now. When I get my license, I want to know if I can drive your car, the family car. You may have heard this before. His dad looked at him and said, son, driving the car, it, it takes maturity. And so first, you've got to just prove to me that you're responsible enough. And one way that you can do that is to, to bring up your grades. They're not good. Your grades are not good, son. And so show me that you can do that, and maybe I'll think about letting you drive the car. And second, you've got to read your Bible every day. And finally, I want you to get a haircut because it looks outrageous. The son started doing what his father required. He wanted to drive the car. But he knew that that last request was going to be impossible for him. He loved his long hair. And so when his grades came down, um, came out, his, his dad uh, came to him with a big, big smile. He came to his dad with a big smile. Look, dad, all A's and B's on my report card. Now can I drive the family car? Very good, son. You are one third of the way there. But have you been reading your Bible? The father asked. Yes, Dad. Every single day I, I read my Bible. Very good, son. You're, you're two-thirds of the way there now. Are you going to get a haircut? And the son, thinking he could outsmart his dad. I don't know what children can uh, think that they can outsmart their parents. I don't know if you know of any. But the son, thinking he could outsmart his dad, responded, Listen, I, I don't see why I should get my haircut, Dad, to drive the car. Jesus had long hair, didn't he? The father looked at his boy and said, That's right, son. And Jesus walked everywhere, too. <laughs> See, just like that boy, some of us try to do the least amount that we can do to, to, uh, to still be considered obedient. We even look for loopholes in everyday life. And sure, we'll obey God in some things. We won't kill anybody, but we'll gossip about them behind their back. We may not commit adultery, but we'll allow ourselves to be carried away with lustful thoughts. We'll love others, but only, say only, only. if they love us first. Here's the thing. Obedience like that is no different than the world's <laughs> obedience. Listen, that kind of obedience is either motivated by fear or the hopes of one day getting a reward. And yet God doesn't want us to obey part way. He wants complete obedience. See, complete obedience is one way that we let our light shine in a world of darkness. And, and so if Christians never act any different than the lost, what makes us different in the lost eyes? They're looking at you. They're looking at me. We're supposed to shine that light. And so the question for us is, are we committed, really committed to obeying God in every area? Yeah. And listen, is the way that you obey him uh, a witness to the world around you? Or are you simply doing what little bit you can do in order to feel good about yourself and to be able to just barely call yourself obedient? Next, uh, I want us to look at what God told Noah to do back in uh, Genesis 6, verse, beginning at verse 14. Let's go there. See, being committed, how many of you know that being committed isn't always easy? 
Being committed isn't always easy. Let's go to verse 14. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. And then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side. Build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and with, your, with their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Verse 20, pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive and be sure to take on, boat, on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. And so Noah did everything exactly as God commanded. See, we, we read that and we're like, yeah, no big deal. Man, you got me at the first thing. Build a large boat by myself out of cypress wood and water. There, there, were, there were no need for boats. There was no, no floods or no waters. Or This is all new territory. And so every single day he was going to be doing something new he had never done before. And not only that, the people were going to walk by and be like, what is that crazy Noah doing? What is he doing? And yet, verse 22, Noah did everything. Say everything. Everything. Exactly as God commanded, not some of the things, not the things that were convenient. Be honest, you would do the easy things first, right? I sometimes do that. I go both ways. Sometimes I'm like, I do the easy thing first or I do the hard thing first so that I can end. But, you know, it's just looking at that long list. Noah had a lot to do. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Can you imagine God telling you to do even a portion of that? I mean, I wonder what went through Noah's mind as God told him to do that. Uh, did, uh, did he think, where am I going to get all the money to buy all of the lumber? Did he worry about what his neighbors were going to think? How, how strange would it be uh, if your neck, for your next door neighbor to build a huge boat in the middle of the desert, by the way? Context. In the middle of the desert, you're building a boat and you're telling people the earth's going to flood. There's a big storm coming. Every day, witnessing to that. Every day, there's a storm coming. And don't forget, Noah, he didn't have any power tools uh, to complete the project, just hand tools of the day. To top it off, God told him to gather two of every kind of animal. Have you ever thought of that? I, I don't know if any of you have more than one, one pet. You get, sometimes get dogs and cats together, and sometimes they get along, and sometimes not so much. But two of every kind of animal, and put them in the ark with enough food and provisions to sustain them for over a year. How many of us would have given up before we even started? <laughs> but Noah was committed to obeying God. And sure, it was going to be difficult. Sure, he, he was going to be mocked and made fun of. Sure, it would mean that he had to make great sacrifices. And it would literally take decades of hard work. But Noah was committed to obey fully. His obedience proved that he loved God. And he believed that God said. And he, and he believed in what God had said. Remember, Genesis 6.22 said, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded 
1 John 2, verses 3 to 6 says, And we can be sure that we know him if, say if, if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And this, that is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so our obedience proves that we love God and that we believe what he says. In fact, obedience is faith and love in action. Anybody ever tell you they love you and then they, by their actions they disprove it? Right? Oh, I love you. I care for you. And you're like, if that's love, man, I don't want any of it. And so obedience is faith and love in action. Noah could have told God, okay, God, listen, I believe that the world is going to be destroyed by a great flood. And, and yet, you know what? I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be singled out in that way. I don't want to go through the struggle and the, the trouble. It's easy to say that you believe, but it's another thing to prove it by the way you act. John's gospel had some strong, very strong words about this. He says that a person, if a person claims to know God and yet is not obedient to him, then that person is a liar. Our obedience proves how much we love him. And by the way, notice that Noah did everything that God said. And God told him to build three decks on the ark. So what did Noah do? He built three decks. God told him the exact dimensions of the ark. And what did Noah build? The ark in those dimensions. God told Noah when to enter the ark. And that's exactly what Noah did. God commands us in his word to be faithful in, in so many things. In church attendance, in the tithe, to pray without ceasing, to, to, to tell others about his love, to love God and to love others, to be honest in all of our dealings with one another. The list goes on and on and on. And yet sometimes, I'm guilty too, sometimes we make excuses. What if Noah had chosen to make an excuse of what God had asked them to do. Would we even be here today? Again, commitment matters finally because Noah was committed to obeying God. He and his family were saved. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all of your family from among all the people of the earth. I can see that you alone are righteous. I want you to remember that phrase. I want you to remember, You alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal. Of, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice take one pair of each of the others also take seven pairs of every kind of bird there must be male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood seven days from now I will make the rains pour down on the earth again this is the desert they had never seen rain before and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth, all the living things I have created. So Noah did what? Everything. 
everything as the Lord commanded. Noah was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board, uh, on board the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives with them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and for sacrifices and those that were not, along with all of the birds and the small animals that scurry along the, along the ground. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah, after seven days the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. See, the world was against him literally. He had been mocked for years and years as that, that crazy Noah building that boat. Every day they cussed at him. Every day wickedness upon wickedness all around him. Mocked and persecuted for over a century. It had been decades of difficult, grueling work. But verse 5 says, Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Not only was Noah able to gather all the animals into the ark, but he gathered his family as well. Notice that the Bible doesn't say anything about the righteousness of his family. Who was the only righteous one? Noah. And so Noah was righteous, and so he was saved, but so wasn't his family. In fact, Noah, we know, is identified as the only righteous person on the planet, but because, listen to this, because of Noah's righteousness, God allowed his family to have a seat on the ark. Noah and his righteousness allowed his family to have a seat on the ark. Worship team, come. Listen, people come to me every now and then, and they ask me to pray for their lost loved ones. They say like, things like this. Pastor, I just don't know what's holding them back. I, I, I've been praying for them and I've been preaching the word to them and, and I've been letting them know that these are the last days and I just don't know what's holding them back. Pastor, I invite them to church all the time. I, I tell them what they ought to do and where they ought to go, but they just don't listen to me, Pastor. But many of those same people don't realize that they themselves have not really committed themselves to obeying God fully your life is important the way you live is important people are watching your testimony is important see they they invite people to church but sometimes they don't go themselves they tell their loved ones that they will pray for them but because of because they're out of fellowship with God their prayers are not answered listen I'm not going to say that if we are committed to obeying God that our families and loved ones are guaranteed to seek Jesus as their Lord and Savior but what I am saying is that if you're committed to obeying God fully yourself those closest to you will know that you really love Jesus that you really love God and that you believe what he says if they see that you faithfully attend church, that they'll be convinced that church is really important to you. If they see you pray and read your Bible, then they'll know that you're serious about your relationship with God. In a world corrupted by sin, Noah committed himself to obeying God fully. Say fully. God expects you. God expects me. He expects us as believers to commit ourselves to obeying him in all areas of life. I'm not talking about perfection. We all fail. We all have our moments. We all sin. I'm talking about getting back up 
repenting of your sin and moving forward in Jesus. Amen? Amen. See, the dark and decaying world around you needs you to be the light. It needs you to be the salt in order that they might recognize their sin and turn from it. Your obedience to God proves that you love Him and that you believe what He says. Your commitment to obedience may be the deciding factor in your loved ones choosing Christ as their Lord and Savior. You're the, you've heard this cliche statement before. You're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. They're watching you. They're watching you. Stand to your feet. <clears throat> Again, it's my prayer that we will devote ourselves to being committed to obedience of God in every area of life. And listen, I'm not saying it's easy. If there's something that you struggle with this morning, if there's something that you battle with uh, from time to time, I'm not saying that it's easy. What I am saying that with God, all things are possible. And he's able to give you the strength and the ability to live for him in this dark world. You are the light of the world because Jesus lives inside of you. You are the salt of the earth because Jesus lives inside of you. Live like it. Act like it. Talk like it. Let God use you as you're committed to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I know sometimes, Lord, that it's difficult to receive uh, words that maybe are convicting, Lord, words that point out areas of weakness in our lives. I, I know, Lord, that this is, you know, on me, that, Lord, you're dealing with me, that you desire for me to, to fully surrender, to fully hand over different areas of my life. You're dealing with me, but I know that you're dealing with your church as well. So I pray this morning in the name of Jesus that as we allow you access into the, the, the areas of our lives that we struggle with, that, Lord, you're going to help us to commit and you're going to help us to obey. Have your way in our lives, Jesus, as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. Let's close in worship.